0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. We have a special episode today featuring one of the keynote addresses from a recent CX North America virtual event. In the session, Vice President and Principal Analyst Joanna O'Connell discusses three things, the current state of digital advertising, the future of the advertising market, and how these trends may impact customer journeys. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to check out our Conferences and Summits page on Forrester.com to learn about our other live virtual experiences we have coming up this year. Let's take a listen. I wanna focus today on advertising with a bit of a future-looking slant, so kind of what's gonna be happening in the next couple of years and what that means for the customer. So, I wonder if it would surprise you to know that it is really mostly conventional wisdom. When we ask consumers, and in this case it's US online adults, do you agree or disagree with the following statement? Ads are a good way to learn about new products. Interestingly, a healthy 40% actually agree. The folks that actively disagree really are only in the kind of 2 and 10 range. So in the abstract, people don't hate advertising. In fact, many, many people think that it can be a useful thing for them. And why? Well, if you think about it, it's because there is, in fact, value that consumers get out of advertising. It's not just brands who actually extract value from advertising. Advertising itself really for the last 200 years has been this relationship of balance and tension among three really, really critical parties. Advertisers themselves who actually use advertising to generate awareness, intent, sales and loyalty, things that you would expect but also publishers who actually use advertising revenue to create content. They need money to be able to create that content and advertising creates the kind of revenue they need to do that. It also helps them keep that content access free or low cost to consumers. And then of course, there's consumers themselves, right? Advertising does give them access to content in a free or subsidized way, but it also, back to the previous slide, gives them an opportunity to learn about stuff that they might not have known about before, to laugh, to cry, to feel connected, and to buy. So it's perhaps not entirely surprising that advertisers spend quite a lot of money on advertising. So we actually project that in 2021, in the US alone, advertising spend will reach nearly $200 billion. And this is even in light of the sort of shock to the system that is the current COVID-19 pandemic. That's $200 billion, billion with a B. A huge amount of money is actually spent on advertising. And yet, who has had a crappy ad experience? For example, like this one. What a nice surprise, she says. This would have been if I hadn't been retargeted with ads for it nonstop since you shopped on it on our home computer. It's a terrible experience. You've probably had an experience like this. I know that I have had experiences like this. This is the reality that we face in modern advertising. Long and short, we've lost the balance. This balanced relationship among the three parties that has existed, as I said, for hundreds of years. It's been lost in the age of the customer. So what's going on? Why are we in this situation of imbalance? Well, for a few key reasons. First, let's talk about advertisers. The way that advertisers have traditionally done things just doesn't work in this modern age the way that they segment, for example, it's still the predominant model to use age and gender to buy billions of dollars of television every year. And yet 52% of millennials think that gender is a spectrum with 12% identifying as non-binary. So clearly traditional segmentation schemas are not gonna work for modern consumers the way that advertisers buy media. I know Melissa has talked about the challenge with channel silos. It's a very real thing in advertising for sure. We still have entire agencies sometimes that are separate for managing things like traditional television buying versus a thing called digital advertising. And yet consumers, transcend these kinds of uh, barriers. I mean, I know as I, as a consumer, I move around the world uh, across my devices, consuming content across them, often using more more than one device at a time. And if I am treated as somehow two separate human beings in these traditional channel silos, my experience is broken. And then finally, the way that advertisers message traditional notions of successful advertising, messaging, and even the process itself for creating messaging just don't work in an era of complete information symmetry between consumers and brands, buyers and sellers. And how about publishers? Well, if you look at the way that publishers have created and sold that inventory, it hasn't necessarily put the consumer experience first. More and more ads everywhere, boring display ads that are flat, and lacking in character that may feel interruptive or out of place. That doesn't work for consumers either. And then finally, the industry. And I know this from personal experience because I've been in the digital advertising industry for 20 years. The industry has prioritized the selling of data and technology over the consumer experience. And frankly, all of us as an industry are now paying the price for these missteps that we've been making. Long and short, we've turned consumers off. We've creeped them out, we've annoyed them, we've overwhelmed them. We know from our Forrester technographics data that more than 60% of US online adults will say things like, I am not comfortable with the use of my data for personalized advertising in a range of situations, whether it's based on their location or their use of multiple devices. They're just not okay with it. And they show us they're not okay with it, too, doing things like clearing their browsing history, employing ad blockers, clearing their cookies and the like. They're looking for ways to get away from stuff that feels annoying or intrusive or like an overstep. So what is the result of this imbalance that we have created, really, as an industry, as I said? well. What we're seeing now is that there are these major forces that are at play that are absolutely going to reshape the face of advertising over the next couple of years. So let's spend a little bit of time talking about what I mean when I say major forces and dig into them just a little bit. So the first one is privacy regulations. The reality of modern advertising, especially in the last 10 years, is we have swung really dramatically toward an orientation around audience, around using data to uh, identify audiences, to target them, and to personalize messaging to them. Audience-driven advertising is very common in digital advertising, and yet privacy regulations are going to have a major impact on the availability of data So, regulations like GDPR in Europe, the General Data Protection Regulation, or CCPA, the Privacy Act in California, with many more states likely to follow, are going to have a major impact on the availability, really the ubiquity, of consumer data. And yet, marketers continue to assume that what they've got today, they're going to have tomorrow. And that's just not necessarily true. Number two. The death of the third-party cookie. So the third-party cookie is, in fact, a very unglamorous little piece of code, but it underlies, really, the entire digital advertising ecosystem, or much of it. The third-party cookie is a mechanism by which the industry can interact and communicate. And yet, it is failing. It seems as though that happened overnight, but frankly, it didn't. So if you look at browsers like Safari, for example, from Apple, they've been blocking third-party cookies by default for a while now, taking what they believe is a very strong privacy first stance. But really, it was when Google announced in January of 2020 that it would be deprecating the third-party cookie in a couple of years that the final nail was hit into the coffin of the third-party cookie. And this has major implications for everything from data collection, to ad targeting, to ad personalization, to measurement in the digital world. Really massive, massive, massive. I cannot overstate uh, what a big deal this is for a lot of digital advertising. And then finally, the walled gardens. Let's talk about the walled gardens. So when we say walled garden, what do we mean? Well, we're talking about companies like Facebook, Google, Amazon, more recently, that have a very restrictive set of policies when it comes to their data. And frankly, when it comes to data that enters their walls. So advertisers, for example, will find that they can put data into those environments, but what they can get out of those environments is by no means the same level of granularity than what went in. And that creates challenges for advertisers on a range of fronts. But in this world that we're talking about, this world of much less data availability, of a much less cookie-dependent future, what these guys have, these walled gardens, becomes even more appealing, frankly, by necessity. So if you're a walled garden, what have you got that's appealing? Well, you have a scaled consumer base, which basically means you've got people. It also means that you've got people that are sitting atop what essentially is a deterministic data set that makes it accurate and efficacious in terms of first party data set. You've got content where you can put ads. You know a ton about these people, which is to say you have audience data that you can monetize and you have means of distribution of advertising, which means you can sell it. So you've got really all the stuff that advertisers are going to need, which of course makes this kind of advertising in these kinds of environments more appealing probably than it's ever been. Maybe appealing is the wrong word, maybe more necessary than it's ever been. So we're anticipating that other kinds of companies that have those kinds of assets are going to take similar stances. Imagine a company like Verizon, a huge telco, Or Walmart media group retailers that are becoming media companies or companies like Roku that aggregate all kinds of uh, user data and content as a result of having the Roku system. And Roku actually just bought a a media buying platform. So you can see how this would be a really appealing way for them to to move forward in this new privacy privacy oriented and more restrictive world. right, so we're in this place where we've turned consumers away from us by creeping them out by annoying them by overdoing it. We've got this major set of forces at play. These walled gardens, we've got privacy leg regulation, we've got cookie deprecation. So it's really just kind of a stew of forces that are happening right now. So what does all of this tell us about what the future of advertising is going to look like over the next couple of years? So let's spend a little bit of time on that. The way that I think about it when I'm trying to create a visual in someone's mind of what this is going to look like is a move from the wild west of digital advertising over the last 25 years that was pretty open, pretty unfettered, pretty unrestricted, heavily audience-based, heavily, heavily automation-based in the absence of appropriate levels of human oversight to one that's significantly more gated community in style. So from Wild West to gated community, where the world is more closed, more curated and more controlled. So what does that really mean in practical terms? Well, three kind of primary things I wanna talk about. Number one, We are imagining a future where advertisers recognize the massive value that exists in their own first party data. That is the data that they've collected directly on prospects and customers who've interacted with them in a range of ways. That first party data becomes gold. And as a result of that, we expect that they will spend countless hours and lots of energy trying to shore up their first party data. They're gonna to try to enrich it. They're gonna try and grow it. They're gonna try and protect it because it becomes something that they can use in a world where these other kinds of data, especially things like cookie-based third-party data, simply are not available to the degree that they used to be. So that's one. Two, they're gonna go looking for other sources of good, valuable, uh, uh, clean data with a clear provenance. We talked a little bit about the walled gardens it's not just the walled gardens publishers themselves who have direct relationships with consumers are also a great source of data so we imagine a world where brands and publishers get closer where they start creating relationships that are not just about content access in terms of advertising environments but in terms of data and you can think of that as a second party data relationship that is the first party, the advertiser, engaging with a second party, the publisher, to get access to that data. Now, of course, through the lens of privacy compliance, super, super important. And all of that means, as I said, the third party ecosystem of audiences becomes significantly less important. And again, really importantly here, we're talking about things that are cookie based, and there is a lot of that that is still being relied on. Second, we imagine as the cookie fades, and we're already starting to see this happen, there's going to be an industry-wide scramble to find a solution that can replace it. And where we're seeing the most energy is around the notion of identity. Now, we could probably spend hours just on the concept of identity alone but i'm going to save that for another day and just say imagine a world where we are orienting ourselves around getting closer to the individual in a way that is privacy compliant and based on consumer transparency and choice now that is super super important because if we end up using identity in ways that do not respect that we're going to run into some trouble. And I'll talk about that more in a second. But we imagine that the whole industry is going to be making moves to look for identity-based solutions that can basically become the new backbone, the new infrastructure, the new communication mechanism for folks in the audience targeting and ad tech and martech world to be able to communicate and transact. But this is going to require a huge amount of conversation, as I said, around things like consumer privacy, transparency, and choice. And finally, we anticipate that advertisers who will be turning to these big companies that have consumers, that have content, that have data, they're going to turn to these companies and find themselves in a situation of having many, many fiefdoms with which to contend now what we expect is there will become a moment when it simply becomes too much and they will say enough is enough as a result we anticipate there will be a rise of cross-walled garden style solutions for data management okay back to the point i was making about consumers and all of this this is where it gets really 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 important If we simply take a find-replace attitude toward this future, we're doomed. And what do I mean by that? Well, a find-replace attitude that says, okay, let's just take the cookie and replace it with identity infrastructure. Let's just take anonymous, you know, shoddily collected murky cookie-based third-party data and replace it with publisher data without bringing the requisite amount of thought and care and orientation around the consumer, choice, transparency, and experience, we're doomed because what ultimately will happen is what got us to this place where we are today, really a game of one-upsmanship between industry and the browsers and regulators. And that is a losing game. That is not a path forward that is sustainable. So what do we need to do? Really, it has to be as I am, am belaboring about an orientation around the consumer. We really need to rebalance the advertising relationship much more in favor of the consumer than we have, certainly at minimum in the last 15 to 25 years. We just don't have a choice. That is the place where we are now. Brands and publishers alike are really going to need to do a rethink. What does it mean to create a healthy, sustainable advertising ecosystem where the balance has been restored, where the consumer has been been, uh, given a voice. So we think about it in the context of relationship intimacy and focusing on delivering value. So relationship intimacy. That might sound a little bit obtuse, so I'm going to try and put it in terms that feel a little more human. Let's talk about relationships between people. Too much too soon is definitely a thing. Let's say you are living in a neighborhood and you have a neighbor that you consistently see over your shoulder, following you around and spying on you. That's horrible. It's creepy. It feels intrusive. Why would you follow someone around the internet, across all of their devices, with an ad and pummel them with that ad over and over and over as though they literally cannot get away from you? It's a terrible user experience. You don't have the kind of relationship with that consumer that necessarily gives you the right to follow them around. Or what about going on a first date with somebody, a blind date, and showing up with a dossier of information about that person that you lay out on the table and say, look how well I know you. I know everything about you. Aren't I smart? Doesn't that make you want to love me? And the answer, of course, is absolutely not. I never want to see you again. You're a weirdo. You're a freak. Too much. Too much too soon. So why would you personalize an ad, because you've been collecting on signals on someone, who really does not want that level of intimacy with you because maybe they're not a customer yet. It feels like you've overstepped. We have to be really careful. We have access to amazing data and technology. The question is, how do we use that data and technology thoughtfully, sparingly, appropriately, with the lens of the consumer experience itself? Okay. here's the thing, though. There's definitely a too-much-too-soon problem. And I would say advertising has a huge too-much-too-soon problem. And for all of the reasons that I talked about, we need to be really careful about continuing to use those kinds of too-much-too-soon kinds of scenarios. But too-little-too-late is also a thing. Back to a relationship between people. You wouldn't expect your brother, your neighbor, your friend, your close neighbor, your friend, to treat you like a stranger if they saw you, right? You would expect them to be relevant to you and your history together and the situation in which you find yourself. That's how relationships work. And yet advertisers make this mistake all the time. So I'm just gonna give you a couple of personal examples from my life. I am a Subaru devotee. I'm on my nth Subaru. I have the Subaru Ascent this time. I love it, it's awesome. I just got it uh, uh, serviced in gainesville florida which uh is where i was at the time that i had the servicing very recently fine fair enough great experience got the email come in for your servicing all well and good and then i got an ad after the servicing that said hey it's time for you to schedule service at subaru of gainesville and i was just so absolutely annoyed because i thought i'm a loyal customer of subaru you send me emails i have your app How on earth are you using your advertising dollars to me, a loyal customer, to deliver something that makes it look like you don't know me? Or that you don't care to take the time with your advertising to show that I've already done that thing and maybe provide me with something that would be more useful in this advertising experience. Here's another one. So SimpliSafe is a home security company these guys are new to me, I bought a house, I needed to install a new security system. I went ahead, SimpliSafe had good reviews, I bought the whole system, they knew I bought the system, I got the emails, I had the app, you know, all the bells and whistles, and yet I'm getting ads to buy SimpliSafe. It's exactly like the Subaru scenario. It does not instill confidence in me that this is a company who really knows me and respects me well enough to serve me ads that are relevant to me as an existing customer. It's just not a good experience. It's not good for the brand. And it's a waste of dollars. So you can think of this as not just a sort of neutral ad experience, but rather a bad ad experience all around. It benefits no one. So what I really want us to do is think about the fact that advertising is customer experience. If you really think about it from a philosophical standpoint, delivering good experiences should not be relegated to existing customer relationships only. Delivering good experiences should be about every time you have a chance to interact with a consumer, thinking what is the right, appropriate, and valuable thing to do in this moment for this consumer. So let's talk about that just a little bit now. Number one, invest in consumer understanding you will need to shore up your first party data efforts. You will likely also need to shore up your second party data efforts as a result of the forces that I'm talking about. But if you're going to shore up your first party data efforts, do it in a way that actually provides value to consumers. Things like quizzes that are entertaining or valuable but also allow you to collect data in an ethical way uh, are a great way to think about this. So I'm a customer of SmartPak, it's a company that provides supplements and other products and services for horse people like me. Sorry, the supplements are for the horse, not for me. And I've been a customer forever. And I get emails like this one from SmartPack that say, hey, we want you to get the emails you want and skip the ones you don't update your email preferences. Now, imagine if they use that kind of thinking in their advertising to me. Which, by the way, I don't think that they do because I do get ads for SmartPack that say, shop now as though they've never met me before. It's super, super annoying. Number two, rethink your partner ecosystem. What you really wanna do is think about the relationship between you and the consumer and all of the steps that exist in between. And look for those partners that get you closest to your consumers ethically. And if you can't, get a good answer from a publisher or an agency or an ad tech or martech provider on how and why they can help facilitate a relationship between you and a consumer in an ethical way, you need to walk away. Because there absolutely are partners that are prioritizing ethical data collection, prioritizing the consumer experience, prioritizing the relationship that are just gonna be better choices in this future world that we're talking about. But appreciate that creating this bespoke ecosystem does not happen overnight, you're probably going to need help. So make sure that you're thinking about that, whether it's service providers like agencies, or technology companies that you're working with, to, to think through what that par- partner ecosystem can look like and how it can be built. Get creative, reorient your ad creative approach around value delivery to consumers. And I'll give you some examples of that in a second. But I'm going to do it in the context of experimenting as well with consumer ad friendly ad formats and environments that traditional uh, advertising uh, paradigms um, just just couldn't have conceived of. So what what about moving from a world of constant interruptions to one where we were more contextually relevant and non-interruptive, wouldn't that be nice? I'm sure we've all had the experience in OTT of seeing ads, you know, one in seven ads for, for an ad pod, it's just incredibly annoying. And you're just thinking I have to sit through seven ads. So let's use a different way of thinking about this. So Hulu actually had the insight that people pause content on Hulu millions of times a day. And they use that insight to create a brand new unit. It's really simple. It shows up when a consumer pauses. And it's contextually relevant. So in this case, Charmin says, need a break? Enjoy the go. It's great. It's a great experience for the consumer. It's great branding for Charmin. And it's not very complicated to do. Or this one from Watson that takes you from flat push messaging to something that's much more conversational and self-directed. It's essentially like a choose-your-own-adventure style right inside of the ad. So based on how the consumer interacts with the ad in a very sort of human and conversational way, what happens next in the ad is driven by what they just did. And so it ends up being a bit of a journey of self-discovery that is driven by the consumer, but all within the parameters of, of the brand. And the brand's guidelines and objectives. Or this one, which maybe will seem a little bit radical, which is moving from a I'm gonna tell you what you want model to you tell me what you want model. This is an app called Dabble that actually puts consumers in charge. It allows the consumer to choose which ads it wants to he or she wants to interact with in exchange for things like points. I mean, the points are gonna happen. So really what it is is a little bit of a of a um gladiator style who's going to win the battle for the consumer's attention here and i kind of love this because it makes me feel like everybody's got to really up their game and finally refocus your measurement ethos from did it work to deliver to did it deliver value stop thinking short term long term is how we need to think if we're thinking in the context of evolving and developing consumer relationships over time Don't just think about the obvious metrics, think about things like sentiment analysis. How can you get a richer understanding of how your consumer behaves and feels when it comes to the advertising that you are putting out into the market where you're spending your really valuable dollars? So listen, I hope that you're at the point now where you're rethinking the conventional wisdom that people inherently hate advertising. People don't inherently hate advertising. They've been taught that advertising doesn't always do what they want it to do, which is entertain, provide value, create additive experiences. So let's bring some of that CX thinking to advertising and change the paradigm. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.